0: You know, in the, in the beginning of a message series, I have, I have so much stuff I wanna share with you. And so I just wanna encourage you, keep coming back today. I'm really gonna set the foundation for what I believe is the root cause for our anxiety. Um, statistically speaking, 40 million Americans suffer from the mental health they're now calling a disease of this thing called anxiety. 40 million Americans suffer from anxiety disorders, and many are on prescription medication to help them. And let let me just say, starting out, that I believe that there are times when that's necessary. In fact, I think there's a little bit of a stigma that we need to get off of. And as pastors and leaders, we need to help remove the burden off of some of you for feeling guilty because you actually had to go to a counselor or to a psychologist. And for maybe a season, you had to help some medication. The reality is that there are times when our brains... Uh, get out of balance and there are chemical imbalances that can play a very real role in the anxiety and the fear and depression that we all at times can feel. And sometimes it's chronic and it's real. 40 million Americans. In fact, one of the quickest uh, rising demographics is young people, young adults, teenagers, uh, almost an increase coming out of the pandemic. And I actually think the pandemic was a microcosm of what was already beneath the surface of our souls. That when we go through something, just like in life, when we go through something, it isn't that something that usually causes us the problem. What it does is it brings to the surface unhealthy things that are oftentimes already in our soul. And I believe that was the case with COVID 19 and the two years of the pandemic that we went through as a nation that what it did is it brought to the surface our anxiety. It brought to the surface our fear. And it was a very harsh reality reminder that we are not in control, that our lives ultimately are not in our control. And that makes us anxious. It makes us uneasy. And for many of us, we're fearful about the future. Even now, as word came out this past week where the feds raised the interest rate at another three-quarter point and interest rates keep rising, inflation keeps rising, you're going to the gas pump, the gas, pump, gas prices keep rising housing markets, unstable, all these things in our life, wars and rumors of wars, what's happening over in the Ukraine, Russia threatening nuclear weapons, all of this is feeding. And I believe it's part of the schemes and the ploy of a very real enemy of our souls that we have when Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. But we have this thief that comes to steal kill and destroy the very life that jesus came for you and i to live to the full but if we're going to be honest with each other most of us have too full of lives to live life to the full we are over busy over scheduled overworked over anxious over worried over fearful and over stressed out and over anxious and we are missing something we are missing peace We're missing peace. And sometimes just a moment like we had in worship of just being in the presence of God can bring us just a taste. There's a scripture that says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And I believe over these next several weeks, we're gonna taste and see that the Lord is good. But today, I wanna set a foundation of what I believe is the most important piece to our missing piece. So, if you'll turn in your Bibles with me to Psalm chapter 46, I'm just going to set up this passage. I love the Psalms. How many of you love the Psalms? I love the Psalms. It's kind of like reading somebody's personal diary, right? And that's kind of fun, isn't it? In a weird, creepy sort of way. But, um, but I, you know, King David, uh, the Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart. And one of the reasons I believe that he said that wasn't because he was perfect. In fact, he was anything but perfect. He had a lot of flaws. Uh, we all know that he committed a grievous sin, um, betraying his wives and committing adultery with another man's wife and then having that man killed and making it look like it was in the heat of the battle and kind of covering it up. And, and, and that's not all. He, he wasn't a great father. And we see that later in the life of his children. And one of them would betray him and try to turn on him and kill him and take over his kingdom because he wasn't present with his family. And yet the Bible says he's a man after God's own heart. And I've also often wondered, why. what is it about this man David that God would say he's a man after God's own heart? I believe here's why. I believe it was because David was real. I believe that it was because David was real about his emotions, about his fears, about his anxiety, about the things that he was encountering in his life. And yet in the middle of his anxiousness and fear and worry, he recognized God is my refuge and he's my strength. I will choose to put my hope in him. And you can see all through the Psalms where David would wrestle, just like many of us we do, we wrestle with our emotions on a regular basis, but yet he would always come back to the fact that even though I feel this way, I know there's a God greater than my feelings and I'm gonna choose to put my faith in him. And when you choose to put your faith over your fear, there's something that comes and it's this thing called peace. And so we're going to take a look at this psalm and in this psalm this is uh, actually written by one of the musicians on the worship team and it's talking about being afraid because there's rumors that israel is going to be attacked and they're stressed out they're anxious could you imagine waiting for another nation to attack you i can't imagine i can't even imagine what uh, the Ukraine and the people of the Ukraine are going through right now. Knowing even beforehand the anxiety that comes with rumors that you're going to be invaded and you're going to potentially die. Your family's going to get wiped out. Your whole lineage and history is going to be wiped out. You're going to lose everything in your life. And this is the state that Israel was in. And they were anxious. They were afraid. And this is where this psalm begins. It begins like we're gonna to do today of reminding ourselves in the middle of our anxiety, in the middle of our fear, in the middle of our stress, who God is. God is our refuge and strength. Come on, I could just drop the mic and walk off the stage right now because that, that's just good. It reminds, they start out not by complaining, but reminding themselves and reminding us today, God is our refuge. God is our strength. He's an ever-present help in times of trouble, in times of anxiousness and fear, in not knowing the future and what the future holds. God is an ever-present help in times of trouble. Therefore, because of that declaration Therefore, we will not, what? We will not fear. We'll not be anxious. We're not going to be stressed out. We're not going to be worried because God is our refuge and our strength. And he is here with us right now. He is a very present help in my time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way. Now look at this. He goes through just all the things that can go wrong, right? And this is where anxiety begins. We think about all the things that could go wrong. Oh the mountains even though they fall into the heart of the sea though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging there is a river of streams that make glad the city of God the holy place where the most high dwells god is within her she will not fail God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fail. He lifts up his voice and the earth melts. Come on, this is reminding ourselves the power of who God is. The power of who God is. Come on, sometimes you just have to remind yourself the power of who God is. Am I preaching to the right people this morning? And then he goes on to say this, nations uproar kingdoms fail he lifts up his voice and the earth melts the lord almighty is with us the god of jacob is our fortress come and see what the lord has done that's the invitation this morning come and see what god has done come and see what god is going to do in you the desolations he has brought on the earth he makes war cease to the ends of the earth he breaks the bow and shatters the spear he burns the shields with fire in other words those that are trying to attack us and we have enemies you have enemies your, your enemies are not like their enemies they may not be physical enemies but they're just as real we have enemies of anxiety we have anxiety we have enemies of fear we have all these enemies and he says but you wait on god he is our source of strength he's going to break the bow and shatter the spear he burns the shields with fire And he says this, and this is what I want to hone in on this morning. Be still and know that I am God. Be still in the middle of all this. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth and then he closes with this and i love this it, it's said of john wesley that when he was on his deathbed and he could barely talk he barely had the energy to talk he he whispered this the lord almighty is with us the god of jacob is our fortress and then with one last gasp of air he yelled it the lord almighty is with us the god of jacob our fortress and then he passed from this life into the next unafraid because he knew who his god was would you pray with me father we thank you for your presence with us this morning we thank you that you are our rock you're steady you're unshakable you're the same yesterday today and tomorrow and even though we are anything but steady we're human we're fragile We just have these treasures of your spirit in fragile jars of clay. But God, I thank you for your presence with us that leads us, guides us, comforts us, and that is a source of strength and refuge inside of us. Thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. And Father, today I pray that as your people hear your word that we would be challenged, we'd be convicted, but mostly we'd be changed that we wouldn't leave here the same. I wanna pray specifically for those that are struggling with anxiety and fear on another level. There's normal amounts of fear and anxiety and then there's abnormal. And I wanna pray for those people, even those who may be watching. God, that today you would break the bow of anxiety, that you would shatter the shield of fear, that you would break off every yoke of every demonic attack every weapon formed against your people, we declare today, they shall not prosper. They shall not prosper. And in your presence, there is peace. There is joy in the Holy Ghost. We thank you for it. I pray you would anoint me. I'm your mouthpiece this morning. Speak through me to the hearts of your people. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. Now, can we do, can you do something with me? I've had a conviction, if you've been a part of this church uh, for a little while, a hot minute, you've you've known that uh, I just have a conviction that as the church, we need to be praying more for our nation. That the things that we're seeing happen in our world right now, I believe are the direct result of the church not being the light in the darkness. And so one of the ways that we can be a light is we can pray for our nation. So I'm going to ask you to pray with me for a minute. And by the way, I've been doing this on purpose for a purpose, and that is twofold. Yes, for us to pray as a church together, I believe in the power of corporate prayer. I think churches need to do it more. Secondly, I want it to get in you. I want you to take a minute out of your day and to think about and pray for our nation, because in 1 Chronicles, it says that when God's people humble themselves and pray and seek God's face, he will hear from heaven and he will forgive our sins and heal our land. And more than ever, we need our our land healed, amen? That's why if you're passionate about that, I'd encourage you to go to that biblical citizenship hub group. It's gonna be amazing. Um, But as a church, we're gonna pray and we're gonna seek God for our nation, amen? So let's take a minute, I'm gonna pray for our nation. I want you to pray with me. Father, we thank you that we get to live in this great nation, the United States of America. Father, we lift up our nation right now. And first of all, we repent on behalf of this nation from putting other gods before you, the gods of pleasure, the gods of money, the gods of sex, the gods of entertainment, the gods of politics. And we ask you to forgive us and heal our land. Father, we pray that part of that healing would come by your hand of revival. God, would you sweep over this nation again? Would you start it here, right here, right now? Why not here? Why not us? God, we pray for our nation. We pray for... um, We pray for President Joe Biden, we pray for Vice President Kamala Harris that if they do not know you, they would come to saving faith and knowledge of who you are and that they would lead our country based on your principles, um, one nation under God. And God, I pray for the Congress, I pray for the Supreme Court as they're making critical decisions that shaping our country and the future of our country. God, would you remind them that you are the foundation of this country and on you, We need to put our trust. In Jesus' mighty name, everyone said? Amen, amen, amen. amen. The title of my message to you this morning is really simple. It is Be Still and Know. Be still and know. Now, I believe that in our fast-paced, frenetic, 21st century lifestyles, and I say lifestyles because I believe we've allowed our culture to dictate our lifestyles more than we've allowed Jesus and Jesus' lifestyle to dictate our lifestyle. A lifestyle is simply how we live on a regular basis. It's how we do life. It's our daily routines. It's our weekly schedules. It's, it's, it's our month. It's our vacation. It's our flow of life. And God created rhythms to life. And I'll just, I'll just actually start there. When you think about all life if you're a bible believing christian even if you're here today and you're not a christian you're you're kind of wondering who who is this god and can the bible be trusted and and i would challenge you science one of the things i love about modern day science is is the more that we progress and they try to disprove god the more they're actually proving not only the existence of god but the bible is real yeah. yeah come on and um so i believe that for us as uh, Bible-believing followers of Jesus, if we're going to go back, if we're going to find out how our default settings, if you will, in our soul were made by God, we must go back to the beginning. We must go back to Genesis. And you know, in Genesis, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he created the moon and the stars, and he created the light by day and the light by night. And it says that he formed Man out of the dust of the ground, and he breathed life into the, the pneuma, the ruah, actually in the old Hebrew, which is the very breath of life, which means spirit. And man became a living being, a human being, nonetheless, but a living being with the very spirit of God alive in him. And so this is this is the quandrum that we live in as human beings, is that we are spirit. And we are flesh. We are made in the image of God. And we are created from the dust of the earth. We have potential because of being born in the image of God. And we have limitations because of being created out of the dust of the earth. Potential and limitations. And this is the tension that we have to live in day in, day out. And yet in the beginning... God created rhythms and patterns and built them into life. If you even study, like I did, psychology and sleep patterns and the way that your cells, biology, the way that your cells regenerate, all of it is based on patterns. There's, there's patterns, uh, circadian rhythms. There's patterns to gravity and the moon and, and how that relates to, to weather patterns and all these things. Everything that God created was built with a rhythm to it. And in the beginning, when God created man and woman, he put them in this beautiful garden. And they didn't have to work. They didn't have to strive. They simply had to be. And they were with God and God was with them. In fact, the Bible says that they walked in the cool of the day together with God in this life-giving relationship. And yet, until that faithful day when the devil got in their ear and distracted them and got them to believe that they would be better off controlling their own life and taking their own life into their own hands, and when they ate the apple off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what it represented is them saying, God, I believe that we know better for our own life. And we want to be our own God. We want to control our own life. We want to do what we want to do because we think we can make our life better. So now fast forward, sin enters the world. And what does sin do? Sin separated us from the very life of God. And sin continues to separate us from that life of God. But I believe there's something else in our 21st century, modern day lifestyles that are separating us from the very life of God and in doing so are separating ourselves from peace. And that is this thing called busyness. I love what Corey ten Boom said about busyness. She said, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. If the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. Now, I believe Corey Ten Boone was actually touching on something very important for us to understand. And this is what I believe is contributing to the most anxiety that we are feeling as a people in 2022. And that is this, that for a lot of us, It it may or may be sin that separates us from God, but oftentimes it's our overpacked, overworked, overbusy schedules that are squeezing out the very life of God and are messing up our priorities and we become reactionary people to what life brings at us instead of reprioritizing and dictating what is most important to us in our life. And so for a lot of us, We've fallen into this trap of busyness, and our busyness is robbing us of our peace. Now let me back up in the little history lesson this morning. Fast forward many years later, and most people they had a lifestyle of living by the rhythms that God put in place. They got up when the sun came up. They went to bed when the sun went down. They worked longer hours in the summer, when the sun was up longer, and they rested more in the winter when the sun wasn't up as long. These were the rhythms of God, and they were the rhythms of life. And anxiety was almost non-existent. And yet, for us, in the 21st century, how did we go from living in that kind of lifestyle, in the rhythms of God, to living into the rhythms of man? Well, it actually started with good intentions. In the early uh, 13th, or actually 12th century, uh, there was a a monk, St. Benedictine, who was trying to help his other monks, I guess that's what you call them, other monks, and he was trying to help them stay on a rhythm of prayer, and they would pray intentionally. They built it into their schedule seven times a day, and in order to help them, they actually created the first mechanical clock, to help them see what time it was so they would not forget to pray one of those seven times throughout their day. Little did they know what they would usher in and introduce into the world is man's way and man's rhythm of a new lifestyle. In fact, in the mid-1300s, the first public clock was erected in Cologne, Germany. And this began uh, a, a shift in the way that humanity did life and the lifestyle that they led. Now, fast forward even further into the late 1800s, 1879 to be exact, when Thomas Edison created the light bulb. This was another big shift in humanity's lifestyle. As now, um, there was the ability to create your own light, even though the light... The natural light went down. So there was this shift before the light bulb was invented in 1879. Do you know, you ready? Hold on to your seats. On average, people slept 11 hours a night. 11 hours. Yeah, beautiful. Somebody say, can I get an amen? 11 hours. Could you imagine? I'm lucky if I get six. And and here we are in the 21st century. And on average now, we are sleeping a little bit less than seven hours. That is a difference of four hours. Is it possible that maybe, just maybe, God who created our souls understood something about the rhythms of life, that we actually need more sleep, that our bodies need rest? Now fast forward even further. As we got into the um, mid-1960s, now as technology was advancing... And, and people were creating ways to do life easier. In the 1960s, now I got up this morning to give you an example, and uh, it was a little chilly in the house. I didn't have to go out and find a tree to chop down and to cut up some firewood and to bring it in the house and start a fire so my family and I could be warm. I didn't have to find some uh, coffee beans, and take a rock, and smash them, and grind them, and do the old-fashioned, you know, like uh, over campfire coffee, cup of joe, muddy joe, and, and put it over the campfire to, to make some coffee. No, I just had to go in, pull my little baggie of Starbucks out, get my little scoop, put it in the, the filter, press a button, and I got me some coffee. I didn't have to go to tr- go kill the you know, family chicken and uh, and have some breakfast, get some eggs. No, I just went in my refrigerator because we went to the store and we bought it. All these modern conveniences that we take for granted were actually supposed to slow life down for us. And in 1967, there was actually a Senate committee meeting and this is what they concluded, that by the year 1985, most Americans would only have to work 22 hours a week, 27 weeks out of the year that they were starting to panic, wondering what we were going to do with all our free time. (laughs) Where did that time go? Now fast forward to 1995 when, uh, thank you Al Gore, he invented the internet, and and now we had the ability to surf the World Wide Web. Fast forward to 2007, which many people deem the age of information, technology information, or AI. When Steve Jobs introduced the very first, yes, thank you, for the iPhone. Now, I'll never forget the first iPhone. I was just blown away. And I wondered how this technology was going to change and shift our world. Fast forward into our modern day age and we're going to get into, even in some of the messages in this series, the effects that um, and the distractions, by the way, that these little devices are having on our soul. And now here we are. We have more disposable time than any other generation in the history of the world, and yet we are working four more hours on average than any other generation in the world, and we are busy to the max, stressed out, have no time for anything, and we are missing peace. I think it's time that we start with reevaluating our priorities. See, this is where it begins. I'm going to give you three things that I believe is the beginning of finding this missing piece. One of them, the first one, is our priorities. The second one is learning to practice the presence of God. And number three, our perspective. Too many times what we focus on and what we give our attention to is what has our attention and for many of us, we're stressed out, we're over-anxious because of the things we're giving our attention to that are on our mind. And we need to do what Romans 12 says, 12:2 2 says, be transformed by the renewing of our mind. When we focus on the right things, actually science will tell us that we can train our brains to not be anxious, but to stay in a place of peace. And I love that the Bible backs this up. But here, I want to start out here, right at this place. We need to re-evalu- reevaluate our priorities. I-, I love this story in Luke chapter 10. And many of you are familiar with it, the story of Mary and Martha. And you know, I think Martha gets a bad rap in this story because let's face it, we need people who do something, <laughs> right? Like the church, yeah, Jesus is building it, but he uses people to build it. Like right now, there are people running the slides, putting the scriptures up. There are people saying yes to the next generation. Thank God that they're doing something while we're in here. Uh, Thank God for the people that made coffee this morning because Lord knows I need it. And um, thank God that there are people that do something. But I wanna show you maybe something that you haven't really seen in this story before. And I wanna read it to you. Luke chapter 10, verse 40 through 42. It says this, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations she had made, she came to him, Jesus, and said, Lord, I love this. Lord, she's telling on her sister, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Come on. Get on my side, Jesus. Like that's some of our problem. We're telling, we're praying. That's our prayer. Come on, get them to help me. Get my husband to do this. Help him stop watching football. Stop playing fantasy football. Stop going hunting. No, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. But he said, <laughs> I love this. Martha, Martha. You know it's serious when he uses the name twice. It's like when I want to call one of my kids and they're in trouble. I don't call them once. I call him John, John, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. He says, listen, slow down. You're worried and upset about many things. Actually, that word upset can be better translated the word anxious. You're worried and anxious about so many things. And then he has the answer, which I believe is our answer. He said, few things are needed. Indeed, only one. Remember in the, in the movie, City Slickers, Curly? What's the one thing? I just want to know the one thing. He's like, just the one thing. And he never told, you know what? This is Jesus saying, you know what? This is the secret to life right here. Go. This is the one thing. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. Do you know that when you choose to prioritize your, your life around Jesus being the center, that that is something that cannot be taken from you? You can't take away my peace because I put Jesus at the center. You could take away things that are not of God in this world. This is why a lot of us, we're not experiencing peace, real peace, because we're trying to find it in all these different places, and and, and it's messing up our time and our schedules, and we're chasing after this, chasing after that. When Jesus is saying, listen, 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 just stop. You're worried and anxious about so many things, but let me tell you something, only one thing is needed. The one thing. Mary chose what is better do you know, I love in Jim Collins' book, Good to Great, he said, the enemy of great is good. What if the enemy in your life is good, but not better? Mary chose what is better. See, there's good things, and there's a lot of good things we could do with our life, and none of these things that I'm talking about in and of themselves, you know, going hunting, hunting, uh, you know, playing fantasy football, being a football fan, all these stuff, going shopping—none of them, in and of itself, are bad things. But when they start to become more important than the one thing that's needed—and come on—if there's anything that I see, you know, how many times I hear from people, mature, "Pastor Lance loved your vision message. Awesome. You know, I would, I would be a part of that. I would serve. But I just don't have." Man, I would love to say yes to the next generation. Man, I have a heart for young people. In fact, you know, when I was young, I had these prophetic words and God said, hey, I'm gonna call you to ministry someday. You're gonna call young people and I would love to help out, but I just don't have the time. Man, I, love, I would love to read the Bible more, but I just don't have the time. I'd love to go to a connect group, but I just don't have the time. And meanwhile, time keeps on slipping, slipping. And we're like, doo, doo, doo. <laughs> <laughs> If you're like 15 or over, you have no idea what I'm talking about right now. <laughs> but now what was interesting to me, do you know that slot machines make more money than the, all the film industry plus Major League Baseball combined? And the reason is it's so addictive. But the reason it's so addictive and it captures people is because it's just a quarter. I can sit down and put a quarter in the machine and pull it and it's just a quarter, but I put a quarter in and I pull the machine and I don't win so I just put another quarter in and another quarter and another quarter and another quarter and before you know it, I'm out of money and I'm out of time. And this is exactly what the devil does to steal our time. He convinces you, a little time on social media, it's just a quarter. A little time doing this, it's just a quarter. A little time binging Netflix, just a quarter. So you got to watch the next episode and you got to watch the next one because they always keep you hanging on the edge of your seat. So you got to go to the next one. Got to watch the next one, right? And before you know it, the things that you said were most important to you, years have gone by and you haven't done them. Decades have gone by. And things that you said were important that you wanted to do with your life, they're not happening. And time keeps on going by because we don't have our priorities in the right order. So here's what I wanna encourage you with. We must prioritize the most important over the urgent because I believe we become too reactionary. In our consumer age, we have become too reactionary. In other words, most of us, if we're going to admit it, most of our time is spent reacting to what's happening in our life. Not prioritizing and initiating what happens in my life. Do you know what you say, what you actually mean when you say, I don't have time? You're actually saying, I'm a slave to the circumstances of my life. I am not in charge of my calendar. I just react to it. I just react to what happens to me. I'm a slave to time and my calendar and circumstances, and I respond, I don't initiate. When you prioritize and put God first in your life, everything else in your life falls into place because it's in the right order. It's the principle of first fruits. It's just like your tithe. When you take your money and you say, God, you're the most important thing in my life. I'm going to back it up. by putting my money where my mouth is. I'm going to give you my first. God will bless the rest. If you don't give them your first, God can't bless your rest, the rest, even in your personal life. That's why I love that you came to church this morning because you prioritized coming to church on the first day. You gave him the morning, the first part of your time on the first week. In other words, i.e., you tithe your time to Jesus. And when you do that, there's a blessing that comes on you. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. He said, do not worry. Saying, what am I going to wear? What am I going to eat? I'm stressed out about all these things. He says, now listen to this. You got to get this. For pagans run after these things. A pagan is people that don't know God. We're the people that are supposed to know God. And we're running. We're running, we're running, we're running. And it's like running on a treadmill, but never getting to the destination. It's like running in the desert and seeing the oasis in the distance and thinking and if I keep running, somehow I'm going to find peace. If I keep going after a promotion, I'm going to find joy because I'm going to make more money. If I just push a little bit harder, I can push and get my kid into Harvard and then he could take care of me. Daddy wants a Cadillac, you know? And I mean, you can push and push and push and keep running and chasing after all these things that the world is offering and putting out in front of you that says, you can find rest in the ways of the world but let me tell you something binging on netflix and drinking a cheap bottle of wine is a cheap substitute for being in the presence of god and you can have a day off and still not be filled we got to prioritize the most important he said but seek what first the kingdom and his righteousness and here's the promise What will happen is when you take care of what's first, I'll take care of the rest. He says, and all these things will be given to you as well. Like, you don't have to worry. You don't have to strive. You don't have to chase after it. Because when you put me first and you seek my kingdom and my righteousness, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to give you everything that you need. I was reminded of this this past week when I was uh, meeting with Don and Ruth Slabaugh who were about to go to the Czech Republic. And we were talking about, you know, they were... They're retired, they don't have a lot of money, and they felt like God called them to go to the Czech Republic. They weren't even sure how they were gonna pay for the trip, but they obeyed God, put him first. Well, they were telling me the story how they went to go visit their family on their way back, they were on a flight. They sat next to this gentleman, she called him the airplane guy. The airplane guy started conversation. What do you do? What do you do? They tell them where you know our missions coordinators at our church and we've always oh, tell me about that and they, they start telling them about how they've gone to the Czech Republic and how they're going back they're planning this trip and and they and the guy is just so encaptured by the, these other people who should be going to sit on a beach somewhere but instead they're putting God first in their life and doing what he's called them to do and taking steps of faith and risk when other people don't And so this is so cool. They told me they got an email from this guy, the airplane guy, because they exchanged email addresses. And he said, I want to donate to what you're doing in the Czech Republic. Send him a check for (laughs) $1,500. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. John Burke said it like this. Hurry is not just a disordered life or schedule. Hurry is a disordered heart. That's why my next thing point is we need to be still with God. We could put God first in our life and make priority, and many of us do. But if we're going to be honest, even sometimes we're doing our daily devotional and texts are popping up and emails coming, kids are calling. We're we're reading the Bible or listening to the Bible while putting a jimmy, Jimmy Dean's sausage McMuffin in the microwave, grabbing a cup of coffee as we're running out the door, playing it in the car as we're juggling that, trying to text our kids or call somebody and we're not actually being still being present with God in his presence. And it's killing our spiritual life. We're skimming. We're skimming off the top And because of it, we're not allowing the very presence of Jesus to go deep within our souls, to give us the deep peace that we need to live the life we're called to live. The great theologian Bob Marley said, the day you stop racing is the day you win the race. some of us, we just need to stop. This is where finding peace begins. We hit the pause button. We clear the calendar. We say, God, you're the most important thing. I'm going to make time to just be in your presence. Brother Lawrence, he wrote a book called Practicing the Presence of God. Practice is something you do regularly. You learn it. You learn to practice it. You learn to implement it. Make it part of your lifestyle. I'm going to challenge you through the course. This is where the missing piece is right here. This is the end. This is the missing piece to the missing piece. That the more that we're in the presence of the Prince of Peace, the more we can receive the peace of God. But you've got to stop just sit and if you don't God will make you lie down in green pastures and you don't want to get to that place and I've been there let me tell you I've struggled personally with anxiety I've struggled with panic attacks and I've missed out on a lot of the life that God has because I just won't slow down tough and keep going and we wear busyness on our sleeve like a badge of honor these days like we're more important because we're busy we're more depleted because we're busy and we're missing out on the full life that Jesus offers look he said in John 14:27, when he was about to leave the earth and he was preparing his disciples and they're freaking out like God what are we going to do without you we can't do this without you you can't leave how, how are we supposed to do this And he said, it's okay, I'm gonna give you this gift. It's gonna live inside of you. It's gonna be my very presence. And he said, peace, I'm gonna leave you with peace. I'm gonna give you my peace. Think about that. Jesus saying, the, the Prince of Peace is promised us to give us his peace. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, and here here it is, you gotta get this. Not as the world gives, and this is the problem. We're trying to find our peace as the world says, here's peace, do what you wanna do, chill out. Listen, you could have a day off and still not have peace. You could go on vacation on a beach and think I'm gonna find peace and come, come back feeling anxious and stressed out, why? because you weren't with the Prince of Peace. Gotta have time with him. The last thing is this, when we actually are still, we know that he's God. See, we can know all the head knowledge about God and I can know scriptures and quote them to you. But the only way to know, and the word know in this, is an intimate knowing. It's like a husband would know a wife. Now, think about. Think about what if you treated your spouse like we treat God? I go, Hi, talk to you five, five minutes. Well, come on, let's do this quick. Put, put the Bible app on two times so we could read this faster. So I could hear you. And then I, I got to go. I've got my day. And I, I say hi to you as I exhaustedly fall into bed at 11 o'clock at night, get up and do the same thing over and over. And there's no relationship, it becomes a religion. And for too many of us, we're going through the motions of life, but it's really just religion. We're not living in relationship with the life-giving, life-breathing God that says, just be still. And when you just give me a moment, you realize you don't have to control your life anymore because I'm actually God. I'm qualified. <laughs> I made the moon and the stars. That's why I love when he went to Job and he said, Brace yourself, boy. I need to remind you of some things because you lost perspective on who I am. Too many of us have lost perspective on who God is. And we have actually become our own God. We make fun of Adam and Eve. Man, I wouldn't have done that. Whatever, we do it every day. When we choose our own way of life and we want to control our life, control our circumstances, control our husbands, control our kids, control our workplace, and we're trying to control, 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 and it's freaking us out. God says, just be still. I'm God. I've got this. I've got you. My presence is with you. I'm your refuge. I'm your strength, I'm almighty God, I am all present God, I am with you whether you feel it or not, I am in you. My peace I leave with you, my peace I give, but not as the world does. No, if you're gonna receive this peace, you gotta stop your striving. Stop escaping. You're so tired and worn out, you're just going to cheap substitutes like porn and video games and social media and all these things, just put in another quarter, and we become robots a hollow shell of the people God made us to be. Proverbs 3 5 through 7. I'm gonna tell a story and we'll be done. He says, trust in the Lord with what part of your heart? All your heart. All of your soul. All of your mind, your will, your emotions. Trust in the Lord and lean not. Stop leaning on your own understanding. Stop making decisions apart from me. And look to me as God. Know me as God. And this is what will happen. I will direct Some of us are anxious and fearful and stressed out because we've directed our own paths and we've got us into places God never told us to go. We've gotten into relationships God never told us to get in. We took jobs God never told us to take. We missed out on careers because we were going under our own understanding instead of following and trusting God as God and being still and letting Him be God over our lives. And if we will just stop and acknowledge Him In all our ways, every part of your life, just say, God, you're Lord of my life. We like Jesus as Savior, but we don't like Him as Lord. But if we will put Him back on the rightful place of the throne of our heart, you don't have to stress. God's got it. God's got you. He's got your life. He made you. He knows you. He formed you in His mother. He's got you stop wigging out be still quick story I remember um, after um, 9-11 happened I don't know what happened but something I opened up my, my heart, my soul to something unhealthy fear I opened up my soul to fear when I saw what those terrorists did, I was freaked out and I had to travel for business on airplanes across the country, and I was just grateful I wasn't on one of those planes that day. It's possible, I could have been. And that thought got in my soul, and it started just wreaking havoc. I started being so anxious to get on a plane, it took a lot for me to get on a plane. And when I got on a plane, I'm, I kid you not, I'm, I'm sweating, I'm sitting in the seat, like, praying in tongue, come on, Jesus, like, I'm freaking out. When the plane, now I remember one time in particular, it was stormy that morning. And the plane, I I wasn't even sure if the plane was getting, I am so anxious. And I remember the plane taking off and it started to shake and turn. And I'm like, I am just, I'm ready to jump out. (laughs) But I'll never forget this moment. In that moment, I felt like God said, Be still. I've got you. I'm God. Do you think if I wanted you to die, you wouldn't die? Do you think, and you know, this isn't your time. I've got a call on your life. I've got things for you to do. You're not going to die, so just relax. I remember sitting in that seat next to the window and opening my eyes and I look out and it's the moment when we would go through the clouds and there was a shaking in the plane and then all of a sudden, smooth. And I got up above the clouds and I looked out the window and I see the sun and I see the beautiful mountains and I just start worshiping God. I said, thank you for reminding me that you're God and I'm so grateful that I know you. Thank you.